Book Nine of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Argument, the Embassy to Achilles, Agamemnon, after the last day's defeat proposes to the Greeks to quit the siege and return to their country. Diomed opposes this, and Nestor seconds him, praising his wisdom and resolution. He orders the guard to be strengthened, and a council summoned to deliberate what measures were to be followed in this emergency. Agamemnon pursues this advice and Nestor farther prevails upon him to send ambassadors to Achilles, in order to move him to a reconciliation. Ulysses and Ajax are make choice of, who are accompanied by old Phoenix. They make, each of them, very moving and pressing speeches, but are rejected with roughness by Achilles, who, notwithstanding, retains Phoenix in his tent. The ambassadors return unsuccessfully to the camp, and the troops betake themselves to sleep. This book, and the next following, take up the space of one night, which is the twenty-seventh from the beginning of the poem. The scene lies on the seashore, the station of the Grecian ships. Thus kept their watch, the Trojans, but the Greeks, dire panic held companion of chill fear their bravest struck with grief unbearable as when two stormy winds ruffle the sea boreas and zephyr from the hills of thrace with sudden gust descending the dark waves rear high their angry crests and toss on shore masses of tangled weed such stormy grief the breast of every Grecian warrior rent. Atreides, heart-struck, wandered to and fro, and to the clear-voiced heralds gave command to call, but not with proclamation loud, each several man to counsel. He himself spared not his labor mixing with the chiefs. Sadly they sat in council. Atreus' son, weeping arose as some dark-watered fount pours o'er a craggy steep its gloomy stream then with deep groans the assembled greeks addressed o friends the chiefs and counsellors of greece grievous and all unlooked for is the blow which jove hath dealt me by his promise led, I hoped to raise the strong-built walls of Troy, and home return in safety. But it seems he falsifies his word, and bids me now return to Argos, frustrate of my hope, dishonoured, and with grievous loss of men. Such now appears the o'er-ruling sovereign will of Saturn's son who oft hath sunk the heads of many a lofty city in the dust, and yet will sink, for mighty is his hand. Hear then my counsel. Let us all agree home to direct our course, since here in vain we strive to take the well-built walls of Troy. The monarch spoke. They all in silence heard. In speechless sorrow long they sat. At length rose valiant Diomed, and thus he spoke. Atreides, I thy folly must confront, as is my right, in council. Thou, O king, be not offended. Once among the Greeks thou heldst light my prowess, with the name of coward branding me. How justly so is known to all the Greeks 
both young and old. On thee, the deep-designing Saturn's son, In differing measure hath his gifts bestowed. A throne he gives thee higher far than all. But valour, noblest boon of heaven, denies. How canst thou hope the sons of Greece shall prove Such heartless dastards as thy words suppose? If homeward to return thy mind be fixed, Depart, the way is open, And the ships which from Mycenae followed thee in crowds Are close at hand, and ready to be launched. Yet will the other long-haired Greeks remain Till Priam's city fall, Nay, though the rest betake them to their ships and sail for home, yet I and Sthenelus, we too, will fight till Troy be ours, for heaven is on our side. Thus he, the sons of Greece, with loud applause, the speech of valiant Diomed confirmed. Then aged Nestor rose, and thus began. Tydides, eminent thou art in war, And in the council, thy compeers in age must yield to thee. Thy present words no Greek can censure or gainsay, And yet the end thou hast not reached, and object of debate. But thou art young, and for thine age mightst be my latest-born. Yet dost thou to the king's sage counsel give, and well in season speak. But now will I, that am thine elder far, go fully through the whole, and none my words may disregard, not even Atrides' self, outcast from kindred, law, and hearth, is he whose soul delights in fierce internal strife. But yield we now to the influence of night, prepare the meal, and let the several guards be posted by the ditch, Without the wall, this duty on the younger men I lay. Then, Agamemnon, thou thy part perform, For thou art king supreme. The elders all, as meet and seemly, To the feast invite. Thy tents are full of wine, Which Grecian ships o'er the wide sea bring day by day from Thrace. Nor lackst thou aught thy guests to entertain, and many own thy sway. When all are met, his counsel take, who gives the best advice. Great need we have of counsel wise and good, when close Beside our ships the hostile fires are burning. Who can this unmoved behold? This night our ruin or our safety sees. He said, and they, assenting, heard his speech. Forth with their followers went the appointed guards, the princely Thrasymedes, Nestor's son. Ascalaphus and bold Ialmenus, two valiant sons of Mars, Meriones and Apharius, and brave Deipyrus, and godlike Lycomedes, Creon's son. Seven were the leaders, and with each went forth a hundred gallant youths, with lances armed. Between the ditch and wall they took their post, there lit their fires, and there the meal prepared. Then, for the assembled elders in his tent, An ample banquet Agamemnon spread. They, on the viands, set before them, fell. 
the rage of thirst and hunger satisfied the aged nestor first his mind disclosed he who before the sagest counsel gave now thus with prudent words began and said most mighty agamemnon king of men atrides with thee my discourse shall end with thee begin o'er many nations thou hold'st sovereign sway since jove to thee hath given the sceptre and the high prerogative to be thy people's judge and counsellor tis thine to speak the word tis thine to hear and to determine when some other chief suggestions offers in the general cause what counsel shall prevail depends on thee yet will i say what seems to me the best sounder opinion none can hold than this which i maintain and ever have maintained even from the day when thou great king didst bear the fair briseis from achilles tent despite his anger not by my advice i fain would have dissuaded thee but thou following the dictates of thy wrathful pride didst to our bravest wrong dishonouring him whom even the immortals honoured for his prize thou took'st and still retain'st but let us now consider if even yet with costly gifts and soothing words we may his wrath appease to whom the monarch agamemnon thus father too truly thou recall'st my fault i erred nor will deny it as a host is he whom jove in honour holds as now achilles honouring he confounds the greeks but if i erred by evil impulse led fain would i now conciliate him and pay an ample penalty before you all i pledge myself rich presents to bestow seven tripods will i give untouched by fire of gold ten talents twenty cauldrons bright twelve powerful horses on the course renowned who by their speed have many prizes won nor empty-handed could that man be deemed nor poor in gold who but so much possessed as by those horses has for me been won seven women too well skilled in household cares lesbians whom i selected for myself that day he captured lesbos's goodly isle in beauty far surpassing all their sex these will i give and with them will i send the fair briseis her from his tent i bore away and add a solemn oath i ne'er approached her bed nor held with her such intercourse as man with woman holds all these shall now be his but if the gods shall grant us priam's city to destroy of gold and brass when we divide the spoil with countless heaps he shall a vessel freight and twenty captives he himself shall choose all only less than argive helen fair and if it be our fate to see again the teeming soil of argos he shall be my son by marriage and in honour held as is orestes who my only son is reared at home in luxury and ease 
three daughters fair I have, Chrysothemis, Iphianassa, and Laodice. Of these, whiche'er he will, to Peleus's house, no portion asked for, he shall take to wife, and with her will I add such wedding gifts as never man before to daughter gave. Seven prosperous towns besides, Cardamyle and Enope, and Ira's grassy plains, and Sphere, and Anthea's pastures deep, Epea fair, and vine-clad Pedasus, all by the sea, by sandy Pylos's bounds, the dwellers there in flocks and herds are rich, and as a god shall honour him with gifts, and to his sceptre ample tribute pay this will i do so he his wrath remit then let him yield pluto alone remains unbending and inexorable and thence of all the gods is most abhorred by men to me submitting as in royal power superior far and more advanced in age to whom geredian nestor thus replied most mighty agamemnon king of men atrides not unworthy are the gifts which to achilles thou designst to send then to the tent of peleus's son in haste let us our chosen messengers dispatch whom i shall choose let them consent to go then first of all let phoenix lead the way beloved of jove the mighty ajax next with them ulysses sage and let them take of heralds hodius and eurybates Bring now the hallowing water for our hands, and bid be silent, while to Saturn's son, that he have mercy, we address our prayer. He said, and well his counsel pleased them all. The heralds poured the water on their hands, the youths attending crowned the bowls with wine and in due order served the cups to all then their libations made when each with wine had satisfied his soul from out the tent of agamemnon Atreus's son they passed and many a caution aged nestor gave with rapid glance to each ulysses chief how best to soften peleus's matchless son beside the many dashing ocean's shore they moved along and many a prayer addressed to neptune ocean's earth surrounding god that he to gentle counsels would incline the haughty soul of great aesides when to the ships and tents they came where lay the warlike myrmidons their chief they found his spirit soothing with a sweet-toned lyre of curious work with silver bands adorned part of the spoil he took when he destroyed aeacian's wealthy town on this he played soothing his soul and sang of warriors deeds before the chief in silence and alone patroclus sat upon achilles fixed his eyes awaiting till the song should cease the envoys forward stepped ulysses first and stood before him from his couch amazed and holding still his lyre achilles sprang leaving the seat whereon they found him placed and at their entrance rose patroclus too waving his hand achilles swift of foot addressed them 
welcome friends as friends ye come some great occasion surely to my tent hath brought the men who are of all the greeks despite my anger dearest to my heart thus as he spoke he led them in and placed on couches spread with purple carpets o'er then thus addressed patroclus at his side son of menoetius set upon the board a larger bowl and stronger mix the wine and serve a cup to each beneath my roof this night my dearest friends i entertain he said patroclus his commands obeyed and in the firelight placed an ample tray and on it laid of goat's flesh and of sheep's a saddle each and with them rich in fat a chine of well-fed hog automedon held fast while great achilles carved the joints the meat prepared he fixed upon the spits patroclus kindled then a blazing fire and when the fire burnt hotly and the flame subsided spread the glowing embers out and hung the spits above then sprinkled o'er the meat with salt and lifted from the stand the viands cooked and placed upon the board from baskets fair patroclus portioned out the bread to each the meat achilles shared facing the sage ulysses sat the host on the other side the tent and bade his friend patroclus give the gods their honours due he in the fire the wonted offerings burnt they on the viands set before them fell the rage of thirst and hunger satisfied ajax to phoenix signed ulysses saw the sign and rising filled a cup with wine and pledged achilles thus to thee i drink achilles nobly is thy table spread as heretofore in agamemnon's tent so now in thine abundant is the feast but not the pleasures of the banquet now we have in hand impending o'er our arms grave cause of fear illustrious chief we see grave doubts to save or see destroyed our ships if thou great warrior put not forth thy might for close beside the ships and wall are camped the haughty trojans and renowned allies their watch-fires frequent burn throughout the camp and loud their boast that not shall stay their hands until our dark-ribbed ships be made their prey jove too for them with favouring augury sends forth his lightning boastful of his strength and firmly trusting in the aid of jove hector resistless rages not he fears or god or man with martial fury fired he prays impatient for the approach of morn then breaking through the lofty sterns resolved to the devouring flames to give the ships and slay the crews bewildered in the smoke and much my mind misgives me lest the gods his threats fulfil and we be fated here to perish far from argos's grassy plains up then if in their last extremity thy spirit inclines though late to save the greeks sore pressed by trojan arms lest thou thyself hereafter feel remorse the evil done is past all cure then thou reflect betimes how from the greeks to ward the day of doom 
dear friend, remember now thy father's words, the aged Peleus, when to Atreus' son he sent thee forth from Thia, how he said, My son, the boon of strength, if so they will, Juno or Pallas, have the power to give. But thou thyself, thy haughty spirit, must curb, for better far is gentle courtesy, and cease from angry strife, that so the Greeks the more may honour thee, both young and old. Such were the words thine aged father spoke, which thou hast now forgotten. Yet, e'en now, pause for a while, and let thine anger cool. And noble gifts, so thou thy wrath remit, from Agamemnon shalt thou bear away. Listen to me, while I recount the gifts which in his tent he pledged him to bestow. Seven tripods promised he, untouched by fire, of gold ten talents, twenty cauldrons bright, twelve powerful horses, in the course renowned, who by their speed have many prizes won. Not empty-handed could that man be deemed, nor poor in gold, who but so much possessed, as by those horses has for him been won. Seven women, too, well skilled in household cares, lesbians, whom he selected for himself, that day thou captured Lesbos' goodly isle, in beauty far surpassing all their sex. These will he give, and with them will he send the fair Briseis, her whom from thy tent he bore away, and at a solemn oath he ne'er approached her bed, nor held with her such intercourse as man with woman holds. All these shall now be thine, but if the gods shall grant us Priam's city to destroy, of gold and brass, when we divide the spoil, with countless heaps a vessel shalt thou freight, and twenty captives thou thyself shalt choose, all only less than Argive Helen fair. And if it be our fate to see again the teeming soil of Argos, thou mayst be his son by marriage, and in honour held as is Orestes, who, his only son, is reared at home in luxury and ease. Three daughters fair are his, Chrysothemis, Iphianessa, and Laodice. Of these, whiche'er thou wilt, to Peleus's house, no portion asked for, thou shalt take to wife, and with her will he add such wedding gifts as never man before to daughter gave. Seven prosperous towns besides, Cardamyle, and Enope, and Ira's grassy plains, and Phiri, and Anthea's pastures deep, Epea fair, and vine-clad Pedasus, all by the sea, by sandy Pylos's bounds, the dwellers there in flocks and herds are rich, and, as a god, will honour thee with gifts, and to thy sceptre ample tribute pay. All these he gives, so thou thy wrath remit. But if thou hold Atrides in such hate, him and his gifts, yet let thy pity rest on all the other Greeks, thus sore bested, by whom thou shalt be honoured as a god, for great the triumph that thou mayst gain, e'en Hector's self is now within thy reach, for he is near at hand, and in his pride and martial fury deems that none of all our ships contain can rival him in arms. Whom answered thus Achilles, 
swift of foot. Heaven-born Ulysses, sage in counsel, son of great Laertes, I must frankly speak my mind at once, my fixed resolve declare, that from henceforth I may not by the Greeks, by this man and by that, be importuned. Him, as the gates of hell, my soul abhors, whose outward words his secret thoughts belie. Hear then what seems to me the wisest course. On me, nor Agamemnon, Atreus's son, nor others shall prevail, since naught is gained by toil unceasing in the battlefield. Who nobly fight, but share with those who skulk, like honours gain the coward and the brave, alike the idlers and the active die, and not it profits me, though day by day, in constant toil, I set my life at stake. But as a bird, though ill she fare herself, brings to her callow brood the food she takes, so I, through many a sleepless night have lain, and many a bloody day have laboured through, engaged in battle on your wives' behalf. Twelve cities have I taken with my ships, eleven more by land, on Trojan soil. From all of these abundant stores of wealth I took, and all to Agamemnon gave. He safe beside his ships my spoils received a few divided but the most retained to other chiefs and kings he meted out their several portions and they hold them still from me alone of all the greeks he bore away and keeps my cherished wife well, let him keep her, solace of his bed. But say, then, why do Greeks with Trojans fight? Why hath Atrides brought this mighty host to Troy, if not in fair-haired Helen's cause? Of mortals are there none that love their wives, save Atreus's sons alone, or do not all who boast the praise of sense and virtue, love and cherish each his own. As her I loved, e'en from my soul, though captive of my spear. Now since he once hath robbed me and deceived, let him not seek my aid. I know him now, and I am not to be won. Let him devise with thee, Ulysses, and the other kings, how best from hostile fires to save his ships. He hath completed many mighty works without my aid, hath built a lofty wall, and dug a trench around it wide and deep, and in the trench hath fixed a palisade. Nor so the warrior-slayer Hector's might can keep in check, while I was in the field, not far without the walls would Hector range his line of battle, nor beyond the oak and sea gates would venture. There indeed he once presumed to meet me, hand to hand, and from my onset narrowly escaped. But as with Hector, now no more I fight, Tomorrow morn my offerings made to Jove and all the gods, and freighted well my ships, and launched upon the main, thyself shall see, if that thou care to see, my vessels spread o'er the broad bosom of the Hellespont, my lusty crews plying the vigorous oar, and if the earth-shaker send a favouring breeze, Three days will bear us home to Thyas' shore. There did I leave abundant store of wealth, 
when hitherward I took my luckless way, thither from hence I bear of ruddy gold and brass, and women fair, and iron whore, the share assigned me, but my chiefest prize, the monarch Agamemnon, Atreus' son, himself who gave, with insult, takes away. To him, then, speak aloud the words I send, that all may know his crimes, if yet he hope some other Greek by treacherous wiles to cheat, clothed as he is in shamelessness. My glance, all brazen as he is, he dare not meet. I share no more his counsels nor his acts. He hath deceived me once and wronged. Again he shall not cousin me. Of him enough. I pass him by, whom Jove hath robbed of sense. His gifts I loathe and spurn. Himself I hold at a hair's worth. And would he proffer me tenfold or twentyfold of all he has, or ever may be his, or all the gold sent to Archominus or royal Thebes, Egyptian, treasure house of countless wealth, who boasts her hundred gates through each of which with horse and car two hundred warriors march. Nay, were his gifts in number as the sand, or dust upon the plain, yet ne'er will I by Agamemnon be prevailed upon, till I have paid him back my heart's offence. Nor heir of Agamemnon, Atreus's son, will I a daughter wed, not were she fair as golden Venus, and in works renowned as Pallas, blue-eyed maid. Yet her, e'en so, I wed not. Let him choose some other Greek, some fitting match, of nobler blood than mine, but should the gods in safety bring me home, at Peleus's hands I may receive a wife, and Greece can boast of many a lovely maid, in Hellas or in Thyre, daughters fair of chiefs who hold their native fortresses. Of these at will a wife I may select, and oft-times hath my warlike soul inclined to take a wedded wife, a fitting bride, and aged Peleus's wealth in peace enjoy. For not the stores which Troy, they say, contained in peaceful times ere came the sons of Greece, nor all the treasures which Apollo's shrine, the archer-god, in rock-built Pythos holds, may weigh with life. Of oxen and of sheep, successful forays may good store provide, and tripods may be gained, and noble steeds. But when the breath of man hath passed his lips, nor strength nor foray can the loss repair. I, by my goddess mother, have been warned, the silver-footed Thetis, that o'er me a double chance of destiny impends. If here, remaining round the walls of Troy, I wage the war, I ne'er shall see my home. But then undying glory shall be mine. If I return and see my native land, my glory is all gone, but length of life shall then be mine and death be long deferred. If others asked my counsel, I should say, Homeward direct your course. Of lofty Troy ye see not yet the end. All-seeing Jove o'er her extends his hand. 
on him relying her people all with confidence are filled go then my answer to the chiefs of greece speak boldly such the privilege of age bids that some better counsel they devise to save their ships and men their present scheme my anger unappeased avails them not but phoenix here shall stay and sleep to-night and with the morrow he with me shall sail and seek our native land if so he will for not by force will i remove him hence he said they all confounded by his words in silence heard so sternly did he speak at length in tears the aged phoenix spoke for greatly feared he for the ships of greece if great achilles on returning home thy mind is set nor canst thou be induced to save the ships from fire so fierce thy wrath how then dear boy can i remain behind alone whom with thee aged peleus sent that day when he in agamemnon's cause from thia sent thee inexperienced yet in all the duties of confederate war and sage debate on which attends renown me then he sent instructor of thy youth to prompt thy language and thine axed to guide so not from thee dear boy can i consent to part though heaven should undertake my age to wipe away and vigorous youth restore such as i boasted when from greece i fled before my angry sire a mintor son of ormenus fair-haired concubine cause of the quarrel her my father loved and by her love estranged despised his wife my mother oft she prayed me to seduce to vex the old man my father's concubine i yielded he suspecting on my head a curse invoked and on the furies called his curse to witness that upon his knees no child by me begotten e'er should sit his curse the gods have heard and ratified the infernal king and awful proserpine then would i fain have slain him with the sword had not some god my rising fury quelled and set before my mind the public voice the odium i should have to bear mid greeks if branded with the name of patricide but longer in my angry father's house to dwell my spirit brooked not though my friends and kinsmen all besought me to remain and many a goodly sheep and many a steer they slew and many swine with fat o'erlaid they singed and roasted o'er the burning coals and drank in many a cup the old man's wine nine nights they kept me in continual watch by turns relieving guards the fires meanwhile burnt constant one beneath the porch that faced the well-fenced court one in the vestibule before my chamber door the tenth dark night my chamber's closely fitting doors i broke and lightly vaulted o'er the courtyard fence by guards alike and servant maids unmarked 
through all the breadth of Hellas then I fled, until at length to Thyas' fruitful soil, mother of flocks, to Peleus' realm I came, who kindly welcomed me, and with such love as to his only son, his well-beloved, a father shows, his generous gifts bestowed. He gave me wealth, he gave me ample rule, and on the bounds of fire bade me dwell, and o'er the Dolopes hold sovereign sway. Thee too, Achilles, rival of the gods, such as thou art, I made thee. From my soul I loved thee, nor wouldst thou with others go, or to the meal, or in the house be fed, till on my knee thou satst, and by my hands thy food were cut, the cup were tendered thee, and often in thy childish helplessness the bosom of my dress with wine was drenched. Such care I had of thee, such pains I took, remembering that by heaven's decree no son of mine I e'er might see. Then thee I made, Achilles, rival of the gods, my son, that thou mightst be the guardian of mine age. But thou, Achilles, curb thy noble rage, a heart implacable beseems thee not. The gods themselves, in virtue, honour, strength excelling thee, may yet be mollified, for they, when mortals have transgressed, or failed to do aright, by sacrifice and prayer, libations and burnt offerings, may be soothed. Prayers are the daughters of a mortal Jove, but halt and wrinkled, and of feeble sight, they plod in Ate's track, while Ate, strong and swift of foot, outstrips their laggard pace, and dealing woe to men, o'er all the earth before them flies, they following heal her wounds him who with honour welcomes their approach they greatly aid and hear him when he prays but who rejects and sternly casts them off to saturn's son they go and make their prayer that ate may pursue him and that he by her chastised may for his guilt atone then to the daughters of immortal jove do thou achilles show the like respect that many another brave man's heart hath swayed if to thy tents no gifts atrides brought with promises of more but still retain his vehement enmity I could not ask that thou thy cherished anger shouldst discard, and aid the Greeks, how great soe'er their need. But now large offerings hath he given, and more hath promised, and of all the Greeks hath sent to pray thine aid the men thou lovest the best. Discredit not their mission nor their words. Till now I grant thee, none could blame thy wrath. In praise of men, in ancient days renowned, this have we heard, that howsoe'er might rage their hostile feuds, their anger might be still by gifts averted, and by words appeased. One case I bear in mind, in times long past, and not in later days, and here mid friends, how all occurred, will I at length recite. 
Time was that with Aetolia's warlike bands, Round Calydon the Arcanians fought, With mutual slaughter, these to save the town, The Arcanians burning to destroy. This curse of war the golden-throned queen Diana sent, In anger that from her Aeneus the first fruits of his field withheld. The other gods their hecatombs received. Diana's shrine alone no offerings decked. Neglected or o'erlooked, the sin was great, and in her wrath the arrow-darting queen a savage wild boar sent with gleaming tusks, which Aeneus' vineyard haunting wrought him harm. There laid he prostrate many a stately tree, with root and branch, with blossom and with fruit. Him Meleager, son of Aeneus, slew, with youths and dogs from all the neighboring towns collected. Smaller force had not availed, so huge he was, so fierce, and many a youth had by his tusks been laid upon the bier. A fierce contention then the goddess raised for the boar's head and bristly hide between the Arcanian and the Aetolian bands, while warlike Meleager kept the field so long the arcanians fared but ill nor dared despite the numbers of their host maintain their ground before the city walls when he to anger yielded which sometimes swells in the bosom e'en of wisest men incensed against his mother he withdrew to cleopatra fair his wedded wife, Marpessa, her, even his daughter, bore to Idas, strongest man of all who then were living, who against Apollo's self for the neat-footed maiden bent his bow. Her parents called the child Alcyon, in memory of the tears her mother shed, rival of Alcyon's melancholy fate, when by far-darting Phoebus forced away. With her, retiring from the field, he nursed his wrath. Resenting thus his mother's curse, Althea, she her brother's death bore hard, and prayed to heaven above, and with her hands beating the solid earth, the nether powers Pluto and awful Proserpine implored down on her knees her bosom wet with tears down on her son invoking from the depths of erebus erinnes heard her prayer gloom-haunting goddess dark and stern of heart soon round the gates the din of battle rose the towers by storm assaulted then his aid, the Aetolian elders, and the sacred priests, with promises of great reward, implored. A fruitful plot they bade him set apart, the richest land in lovely Calydon, of fifty acres, half for vineyard meat, and half of fertile plain, for tillage cleared. Upon the threshold of his lofty rooms, old Aeneus stood, and at the portals closed, he knocked in vain, a suppliant to his son. His sisters and his brother joined their prayers, but sterner his rejection of their suit. The friends he valued most and loved the best yet they too failed his fixed resolve to shake till to his very doors the war had reached the foe upon the towers the town in flames then 
Meleager's beauteous wife, at length, in tears, beseeching him, the thousand ills recalled, which on a captured town attend. The slaughtered men, the city burnt with fire, the helpless children, and deep-bosomed dames, a prey to strangers. Listening to the tale, his spirit was roused within him, and again he took the field, and donned his glittering arms. Thus did his act from doom the Aetolians save, spontaneous, yet he gained not, though he saved the rich reward they once were pledged to give. But be not thou like him, nor let thy god turn thitherward thy thoughts. Our ships on fire, thine aid will less be prized. Come, take the gifts, and as a god be honoured by the Greeks. If thou hereafter, unsolicited, the battle join, the Greeks thou mayst protect, but not an equal share of honour gained. Whom answered thus Achilles, swift of foot? Phoenix, my second father, reverend sire, such honours move me not. My honour comes from Jove, whose will it is that I should here remain beside the ships, while I retain breath in my lungs and vigour in my limbs. This too I say, and bear it in thy mind. Disturb me not with weeping and complaints to do Atrides' grace. If him thou love, my love for thee perchance may turn to hate. My friend should honour him who honours me. But come with me, and of my kingdom half, and equal honours shalt thou share with me. These shall our message bear. Stay thou the while, and on soft couch repose. To-morrow morn we will determine, or to sail, or stay. He said, and with his eyebrows gave a sign in silence to Patroclus to prepare a bed for Phoenix, that without delay the rest might leave the tent. Then thus began Ajax, the godlike son of Telamon. Ulysses, sage, Laertes' high-born son, depart we now. For this way our discourse can lead to no result. Behooves us bear our tidings, all unwelcome as they are, Back to the chiefs awaiting our return. Achilles hath allowed his noble heart To cherish rancor and malignant hate. Nor reeks he of his old companion's love, wherewith we honoured him above the rest. Relentless he, thus a son or brother's death by payment of a fine may be atoned. The slayer may remain in peace at home, the debt discharged. The other will forego the forfeiture received, his just revenge. But thou maintain'st a stern, obdurate mood. And for a single girl, we offer seven, surpassing fair, and other gifts to boot. We now bespeak thy courtesy, respect thy hearth, remember that beneath thy roof we stand, deputed by the general voice of all the host, and fain would claim to be of all the Greeks, thy best and dearest friends. 
whom answered thus Achilles, swift of foot. Illustrious Ajax, son of Telamon, without offence hast thou thy message given. But fury fills my soul whene'er I think how Agamemnon, mid the assembled Greeks, insulting, held me forth to public scorn, as some dishonoured, houseless vagabond. But go ye now, and bear my answer back. No more in bloody war will I engage, till noble Hector, Priam's godlike son, or slaughtered Greeks, your ships enwrapped in fire, shall reach the quarters of the Myrmidons. Ere he assail my ship and tents, I think that Hector, valiant as he is, will pause. Thus he. They each the double goblet raised, and to the gods their due libations poured, Ulysses leading, to the ships returned. Meanwhile, Patroclus bade the attendant maids prepare a bed for Phoenix. They obeyed, and quickly laid the bed with fleeces warm, and rugs, and linen light and fine, or spread. There slept the old man, and waited for the morn. Within the tent's recess Achilles slept, and by his side from Lesbos captive brought daughter of Phorbus, Diomede fair. On the other side Patroclus lay, with him the graceful Iphis, whom, when Skyros's isle he captured, and Aeneas's rock-built fort, Achilles to his loved companion gave. When to Atrides' tent the envoys came, the chiefs, uprising, pledged them one by one in golden goblets. Then their tidings asked. First Agamemnon, king of men, inquired, Tell me, renowned Ulysses, pride of Greece, what says he? Will he save our ships from fire, or still in wrathful mood withhold his aid? To whom again Ulysses, stout of heart, most mighty Agamemnon, king of men, his anger is not quenched, but fiercer still it glows. Thy gifts and thee alike he spurns. He bids thee with the other chiefs concert the means thy people and thy ships to save and menaces himself at early dawn to launch his well-trimmed vessels on the main. Nay, more he counsels others, so he says, homeward to turn, since here of lofty Troy we see not yet the end. All-seeing Jove o'er her extends his hand, on him relying, her people, all with confidence are filled. Such was his language. Here before you stand Ajax, and both the heralds, sage, grave men, who with me went, and will confirm my words. Old Phoenix left we there, so willed the chief, that with the morrow he with him may sail, and seek their native land, if so he will, for not by force will he remove him hence. Ulysses thus, they all in silence heard, amazed so stern the message that he bore. Long time in silence sat the chiefs of Greece. Outspoke at length the valiant Diomed, most mighty Agamemnon, king of men, 
would that thou ne'er hadst stooped with costly gifts to sue for aid from peleus's matchless son for he before was overproud and now thine offers will have tenfold swollen his pride but leave we him according to his will to go or stay he then will join the fight when his own spirit shall prompt or heaven inspire but hear ye all and do as i advise refreshed with food and wine for therein lie both strength and courage turn we to our rest and when the rosy-fingered morn appears thyself among the foremost with bold hearts before our ships both horse and foot array he said and all the chiefs with loud applause his speech confirmed then due libations poured each to his several tent they all withdrew then laid them down and sought the boon of sleep end of book nine